Hi, and welcome to Garbage Game Club, the podcast where we play through a game and then we talk about it. But this is a very special episode. Why is it special? We're going to ignore the fact that in order to like slate the audio, you just very softly said cling. What do you mean? <laughs> like, not like a like a clap or like something you can see in in, the, in like the waveform when the file, like you, Nick just went cling. Hi, everybody. I didn't say, I said clean. Yeah. Clean. Clean. Not yeah. cling. Not no, not no. cling rap. Like like Mr. Clean. Yeah, it's fine because I, I did a high welcome at the top so I will see that audio spike jump up. I don't need to sync any audio. No, I I'm, I just I just think it was an interesting it was an interesting slate tactic. But There's I, a little bit of production talk for you guys. But I, also I don't know edit if, uh, Premiere first, and then I just export that audio first, and then mm, I do the correction. Okay, okay. Well, just because the the video is the first thing I prioritize because we have to upload to YouTube, and that usually takes a little bit longer than everything else. It does. So I export to YouTube first, and then I just start doing the audio cleanup. Because we do a podcast that is in video form for the patrons, but on the audio form for everyone who isn't a patron or people who just want to listen on like the Spotify, Apple, iTunes shit like that because we are good at whatever it is we're doing. You know who else is good at whatever they is they do? Who? Uh, this guy, uh, he's he's a buddy of mine. I, I met him at E3 once. Uh, he's actually, he's, he's from Japan. Uh, his name is uh, uh, Hideo Kojima. Oh, is that what you think? He's good at everything he does, huh? Everything he touches. He's, he's like, uh, what, what, what do you call him? Midas? Like, oh, I touched the thing, turns to gold. So hopefully Midas him... Turn things to silver. That's not true. Um, hopefully just by saying his name on the podcast, it'll turn the podcast to gold. That's what I'm thinking. Because you're right. We do have a very special episode of the fact that we... Um, I think we told people that this was going to be the Outer Worlds episode, but okay, hear me out. What happened is is that um, we didn't finish playing Outer Worlds because because Death Stranding came out, and then um, I played Death Stranding for um, about seven days. How many hours? That was the majority of fifty uh, something. I can't tell for sure because I fell asleep playing the game a couple times. Oh, uh, so yeah, the results are skewed a little bit. Results skewed a little bit. But I played at least fifty hours, and I definitely played for at least two full days, like 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 way. To, to, to bedtime pretty much so I uh, figured out that we had to take this podcast and slide it up and address it and address it quicker and then we'll get back to well, this, is, like, this is a hot game this is the game everyone wants to talk about yeah because it's the game of the year it's, it's one of the biggest game releases I think probably within the last three years because it's just you know Hideo Kojima does not make a game often and this is his first time. Basically, he is technically like an indie dev at this point. So this is his Kojima Productions, uh, uh, what, what made him voyage. You also can't. I mean, you know, what other giant games have came out in three years? Like, I guess Breath of the Wild. But aside from that, like nothing. God of War, Breath of the Wild. I guess God of War. <laughs> I guess I guess God of War. So like, it's, it's, it's three of three, but it is a big boy. It's a big game. It's and a big deal. People might not listen to this whole thing because they might not have finished playing it yet. So they might want to just uh, shelf this episode, which is probably bad for our purposes. No, I to, think to it's fine. It. This is an evergreen one, though. It's this, an evergreen one? This is a thing that people will come back to and be like, I want to hear people talk about this game. I Because there's, so. a, there's a lot to talk about. Is it not going to be the case for... Um, uh, God, I don't know. What's a game that's that's not evergreen? Bad North? <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like there's, like, that'd be a really weird game. It's like, man, I really want to listen to a podcast about Bad North. It's like, okay, <laughs> well, we got that covered. But, but 
it's just one of those things that I hope that if people do discover the podcast via something like Death Stranding, they'll be like, I like the way these guys talked about games. What other games have they talked about? Oh, I've never heard of this one. I will now play this because I would like to play this and then listen to the podcast. Oh, man. I uh, hope this is going to be people's first time listening to the show, almost certainly, just because of the way like SEO works and stuff like that. Right. How conceited of us. And Maybe I throw this all at the end. I don't feel great like i like this is i just want i just want to let you know that, that my, my my tones are probably more sultry in other episodes you sound about the same to me i don't think so <laughs> i'm feeling very self-conscious <laughs> about the massive you ever seen those mucinex commercials mm. i have like 17 of those monsters are you in my the, chest the right gross now. green man uh, no no the gross green man is living inside of me <laughs> i need to kick him out but you know who has a gross skin man living inside them. You tried, I guess. <laughs> Norman Reedus. Or you might know him as Sam Porter Bridges. So how do we even talk about a game like this? Nick, how do you set it up? Nick, I have... I don't think it's, it's... It's been such a long time since I've consumed a piece of media or played a game for that matter. Where the whole time I'm playing it, I felt like I was writing an essay in my head. I don't go through a lot of things with the intention of like, I could do a video essay on this or a podcast on it. But Death Stranding, I, I, I had that thought multiple times. I'm like, there's a lot here to talk about. Almost, not almost, definitely too much. Like, it feels intimidating to be like, how do we talk about Death Stranding in an hour? Because there is so much. So much. I could probably do, if if we like produced it right, ten hours talking about this game right. and different parts of this game. It, it feels like almost in, like like a fool's errand to be able to be like, how are we gonna, how are we gonna do this? Yeah. What is Death Stranding? What do we want to talk about? It's a game that you could kind of break into multiple chunks. You know, you have your story, you have your characters, you have the gameplay, and you have theme. Uh, there, there's a lot, and you, I think you could talk at length about each and every single one of those elements. But for those who maybe need a little bit of context to kind of set it up, Death Stranding is uh, Hideo Kojima's 2019 Kojima Productions Maiden Voyage game. Uh, it is something that was teased back in, what, 2016? I uh, think so. I believe that was like the, three fir years. the first reveal of it. And Death Stranding tells the story of the United States of America that has been splintered and torn apart after this cataclysmic event known as the Death Stranding. And what the Death Stranding is, is a shift in a shift and almost softening of the barrier between our physical world and the world of the dead. And in that softening the barriers between the two worlds, the dead have started to kind of become interlopers in the physical world and started to cause people to stay inside more because the dead are killing people and bringing them to the other side. And they are basically making it impossible to inhabit surface cities. And as a result, the entirety of America is kind of strewn about America, like chunk quarters of America in pockets of civilization. And so you play Sam Porter Bridges, played by Norman Reedus, and your job as a porter or delivery man is to bring <coughs> supplies and packages to each of these pockets of civilization with the hope of kind of manifest destining your way across the United States to unite the nation via this chiral network which is basically uh, an allegory for the internet 
you need there's a lot more there but you need uh, a, a glossary section to be able to understand yeah what most thing that's going on Sam death Dooms. stranding void out uh, dooms uh, what's his the, what's something about a beach uh, the the chiral network a cupid and enfenfomini uh, or something like that whatever his uh, dis- the the condition he has where he's sensitive to touch it's the phobia one. Yeah. It's a phobia. Yeah, there you go. The, the, there's so many of uh, uh, a BB, a BT. Uh, I, I can just, it, it feels like I was uh, trying to study for a, like a, like a fourth grade vocabulary quiz because even what you're saying, you know, yeah, we're, we're playing a game as a delivery man. That's the meme, right? Like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Sam Porter Robinson on my Amazon delivery journey, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go connect people and rebuild the world because the game has so many illusions and motifs to what you could say as problems in our current world. And it's it's a lot of like, uh, how, how do we rebuild America? How do you we make America whole? Again. How do you make America whole again? It's about connecting people. Yeah, it's a, it's a social strand game, and in that social strand, it's less so about the word strand because I feel like that word throws people off. Strand as in a connection, a, a bond, a, a, a rope, or maybe it's a stick. I don't know. The game opens on a, an obscure Japanese poet's or author's like text, and I read that book thinking it would recontextualize Death Stranding, and I was like, I think I understand a little bit more, but really it's just the idea that there is a stick versus a rope and one's for pushing people away and one's for bringing them in. I don't understand. I want to understand this game. And there's a lot. I feel like this game does a good job of being able to say, hey, are you the slightest bit media literate and able to read into a story are you someone who took and understood like maybe an 11th and 12th grade english class and you're able to like kind of pull something out of an author's intent in a book and if you're able to do that there's a lot of things here that aren't cliche but they but they are able to you know make you think the the, the game makes you think and not in a way that is uh, insulting or not in a way that is like hyper convoluted like some of old, kojima's old stuff but like in in that middle point that uh, i feel like opens up all of this this crazy icky world to other people to be like oh whoa dude i get it they're talking about america which is cool it feels like they it feels like kojima's taken a lot of parts from other games he's made and been like what's worked here and kind of distilled it into something similar but different enough met with a completely new type of game. I feel like Kojima made two games here. He made the core gameplay loop of like delivering packages mm-hmm. and and going from point A to point B, which you can argue like isn't new. You can just say like, well, every mission in the game is like a fetch quest. Uh, but the other thing that Kojima made, which I, th- which I think was, is the more stunning achievement here, is what happens when you take Death Stranding, you take those, those social strands, and then you bring it into the, uh, the online world of Death Stranding. Because Death Stranding is a multiplayer game, but not in the sense of a Call of Duty or League of Legends. 
it is, or even the sense of like a, a army of two or Mario Party. It's a, it, it's an asynchronous multiplayer game where if you're connected to the PSN network, which I wasn't for the first twenty something hours, and oh no, let me tell you the difference between being offline and online in this game are stark. And you really, f uh, I since I had the experience of being both offline and online, as soon as I opened myself up to the online world, where you get to have bits and pieces of other people's game. So if you playing Death Stranding um, and we get suddenly get on the same server map per se I will get some percentage of the structures that you built into the world you know May, maybe it be like an umbrella I can rest under like a box I can put my packages in or a bridge or a zip line there's there's all these uh, I, I, I get bits and pieces of everyone else's world to help make mine grow and then as we start to like rebuild America we're doing it together and that feeling of social interaction that really isn't you know it's in the narrative of the game but it's not the game feels like it's the game yeah and i think that's kind of like i personally don't think there's all that much to understand story-wise or plot-wise or thematically like i think it's your big brain nick I, I think it's all pretty surface level like Okay, the dude's name is Die Hard, man. Like, okay. I feel like a lot of the naming conventions, a lot of the story beats, while heavily dramatized and kind of delivered with gravitas, never really failed to live up to that gravitas just because of how heavy-handed everything is. But the one thing I will say that truly is groundbreaking about Death Stranding is this persistent online asynchronous multiplayer that really the only, the, the closest equivalent we have to something like this is... Dark Souls, the Dark Souls franchise, the Bloodborne franchise, in that not not that I can help other players per se, but more so I can leave a mark in the world, and that mark is kind of forever burned into the game of the other player. So you might put a ladder that is uh, helpful for you in the moment to cross a cliff or to to scale a cliff or to to cross a a, a chasm, and that's something that. In theory, another player would also need to do put the put a ladder down to cross a chasm to scale a cliff, but because you did it first, that ladder is still there. And so the player who is navigating the world now has this element that wasn't there for you initially, but they see Advent Nick place that ladder there, and then you understand, well, why did they do it this way? They could have done it this way. And then you realize, oh, this is why they did it. How fun. And then the genius of the game is the like system. Because like any social media, there's likes. You can like a photo. You can like a status on Facebook, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. But in Death Stranding, that's kind of the currency. To it's say. the way that you're paid. And you can't like cash likes and like it's a currency per se, but it's like a way to show your, it's a your merit, social a worth. It's a merit system. If you've ever seen that Black Mirror episode of the... Uh, 15 million merits? Yeah, 15 million merits. Uh, no, we're thinking of Nosedive. The, the second episode of season one. That's 15 million merits. Yeah. But I don't think it's... Well, it's in the idea that you have achieved a certain status, and as a result, you get access to other things. Sam, as a delivery man, becomes a better delivery man with the more likes and the way his delivery is. All of his deliveries are graded on a scale, and that scale gives likes and whatnot. And just earning these likes just make him a better delivery man as a whole. How many likes do you have, Nick? I think I only had like 50. 
50 thousand i don't i don't even remember what a, ugh, like oh i 50, i have thousand likes i don't even know i'm doing a podcast with you that's that's that's, that's i have numbers. i have significantly less play time in the game than you do probably mm-hmm. by like 20 hours mm-hmm. I, I think i probably went through the game in about 32 hours okay so and i mean i played been, like maybe like a little less than double your time so i mean maybe i would play like i'd have double your likes in theory so maybe like 100 100 i have like two hundred and fifty thousand likes nick like that's important to me as a human being <laughs> and that's what he really wanted to tap into in this game like after a while it became less about trying to earn likes and more so just like a matter of convenience like i felt like it was my duty as a human being to scale the rocky mountains the, the rocky mountains equivalent in this game and set up a zipline system that is effective that is fast and versatile so that maybe i not i might not be able to enjoy the full benefits of it but someone who comes through this after me will and they will very much appreciate it and i'm not gonna lie when i first set down that zipline i was pretty upset that i returned to it i was like i have like 20 likes what's going on here but then fast forward to like later a couple days after i set up the system and it was much much better it's like you know you got your eleven thousand, you got like five thousand. like all right now i now i get the recognition i truly deserve which is nice because it's just a thing that you realize you were helpful and you know you were being helpful in the moment but just the validation of other people saying yeah you made my life easier is really Unlike anything I've seen in a game. Hey, Joey, how'd you get so many likes? I built every road in the game. <laughs> oh, God. That costs so many materials. See, and that's the thing I wanted to do, but I never used... There's o- 40 of them. I never used an auto paver once in the entire game. Oh. I just let other people... Shit, human. I let other people do it for me because... Wow, so you're just a leech. Uh, hey, I did my time in the Rocky Mountains, mister. But that's the thing, like... As much as I enjoyed doing stuff like that, it always felt utilitarian and I never wanted to do it outside of just like, I want to streamline this part of the game because I want to get to the end of this game because really, there's not much keeping me playing. And this is a game that I often found myself struggling to be compelled to play because I was either in the right headspace or I wasn't. If if I was in a contemplative, relaxed state of mind, it, this is the game for me and that the delivery system, in theory, I, I like the loop of it. I like the way, the the moment to moment. I like delivering a package from A to C. And I like everything that comes in between that, whether it be just long periods of walking and just random mountain scaling without anything happening and just some, you know, low roar playing in the background or an encounter with a BT, which is, I think, one of the most, one of the most thrilling and exciting parts of the game that quickly loses steam once you get given a gun uh which i think is kind of a, a serious issue i feel like you get given guns way too early in this game uh, i mean you have multiple bt encounters before you can actually do anything so i don't know how much longer you want to put that off by i'm not that bothered by how quickly you get a gun but i'm bothered by like the amount of time that you spend with a gun if you play the game for for a bit is way longer than the time you have without one yeah i think that the game does a great job of building up those tense like boss fight scary moment the game you know it it does sell to i'm being a bit of a horror game but like it's a it's a horror game yeah, I, I think those moments where you, you know, you are treading through territory, BT territory, and you happen to, you know, alarm one of them, it's 
very scary imagery that you're shown. The sounds are scary. Sam gets grabbed by these creatures that pull him into this oil, and then you get like dragged across the floor because they're not gonna take. They're not gonna like kill you. They're bringing you to something bigger that can. And I, I, I kind of there's something almost uh, primal about this idea that you are about to be sacrificed to something much bigger and older than you, which is pretty exciting every time you see what's going to pop out of the out of the oil. And I, I do love the visual shift in the landscape when something like that happens, where the entire like Icelandic-esque America gets consumed with this black tar substance, and then buildings start popping up from areas of the of the earth that used to be inhabited by green vegetation and skyscrapers pop up cars pop up debris pops up and then you see a giant tentacle monster covered in oil charging right at you you see a giant whale soaring through the air landing and splashing oil everywhere there's cool things to see it's very exciting <laughs> yeah the game is visually pleasing it's it's also just uh it it's moments like that that are really cool, but then moments like that where it's very easy to be like, this is a video game. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to walk two feet out of the designated BT circle. I'll be fine. Bye. <laughs> bye, bye, monster. And I think that, like, the game does a good job of rewarding you with things that help you do your job better and quicker, which is nice. But I think that those items they give you also ruin that tension and really the only source of tension in the game is those BT encounters. And so all the tools they give you in the game as rewards for being a good delivery man really just help you avoid BT encounters more uh, frequently and also escape them. You know, once you have the active exoskeleton. Or just farm them. Yeah, or, or just farm them. And you could just run out of there. Like I found myself, once I accidentally activated a BT sequence, I'm like, well, I'm just going to run away i'm gonna double jump my way out of here and i'm gonna be fine and i feel like as a result i didn't get as many cool moments that i feel like the game really wanted me to enjoy because really it was just like this is eating into my delivery time like i gotta get out of here i'm, I'm just gonna keep going i spent a lot of time delivering things i um i think my most uh laureled achievement in that game is that i i brought everyone into the uh nsa uh, the, the and chiral, NCA, the, the chiral network, uh, UCA, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so you, uh, you got every single region in the game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not just turned on, but like to, to trust me. Yeah. Like five star trust, not five star trust. That's, five. that's, that's a little extra. That's, that's a lot. I but, do get, I do my, my pants had a lot of stars on them though. <laughs> and, and I think that there is something exciting. Like it taps into that breath of the wild or assassin's creed style. Like, well, I need to, I'm in a new area. I gotta, I don't know what, what, you know, what players have left for me here. I gotta go get this person in the UCA network. And that also gives you like an overview of the land. It lets you see player struck, player built structures and things like that. It's overall very beneficial. It allows you to print things from the fabricator that they have. So you can get weapons, you can get vehicles, you can get new boots is also very nice but you can't print new ceramics which is a material that the game really wants to crunch you on especially if you're building a lot of roads well thankfully along the way there's plenty of mule camps and for those who don't know mules are this faction of the game they are ex delivery men slash amazon package recipients who have 
like you know how every time you get a, a package in the mail that little dopamine spike of like Ooh, oh it's is, christmas morning this is for me i get to open a package well it's that scene to the extreme where these people are so obsessed with recapturing that feeling they are attacking these delivery men and stealing their packages just to feel something again and i think that might be my favorite element of this game like the most kojima-esque like extreme of our world seen in the world of Death Stranding, which I appreciate. I think it's a very fun conceit for an enemy faction. And I think that encounters with the mules and the terrorists are pretty fun. I, I like navigating. I like when you uh, poop and it becomes a grenade. <laughs> I also like uh, when you pee and it becomes a grenade. What about when you bathe and then your your gamer bathwater becomes <laughs> a weapon against the beached things? <laughs> I, I, yes. All, the answer to all that is yes. I got really stuck in the gameplay loop of just delivering stuff back and forth, which I wanted to make roads so that I can, like, deliver stuff easier. I love being able to just, like, get a vehicle and then... Uh, take it places that you shouldn't be able to drive vehicles. Oh, I, because I, the physics in this game are a little silly. Yeah, they're very. It's not you, once you get the access to a motorcycle for the first time, it's not going to be quite what you expect. Of like, oh man, I'm going to zoom around the land, the countryside, and I'm going to get from A to B in no time. And then you come across the tiniest pebble in the ground, and you just come to a full halt. When you decide to go full speed into a tiny little rock. And you fall over, then everything comes off your back, and then something tossed into a river, and then the package flows down the river, and then, oh, it's destroyed because can't be in the water. Not that I've had any experience with that. And, and I think that there, that's the thing I enjoy the most about the navigation of the game. That it is very much this almost Zen Buddhist style lesson on patience meditation and planning in that the smallest misstep the smallest mistake because you got over eager is punished pretty harshly <laughs> like it, it could result from like the worst case scenario is scaling this game's equivalent of the rocky mountains and you're just like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna slide down this 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 hill like this is fine i physics should make me slide on my back the entire time and then as you're going full speed ahead you come across a tiny little tiny little bump that sends you soaring. You slam into the ground. All your packages start falling and down. And maybe you die. And you might die, which is fun, though, because like that's, that's not on the game. That's on you. That's that Dark Souls level of game design in that the only one to blame for this is the player for being too greedy. It punishes greediness with your time, which is interesting. In this game, you said a word that I think really hits home, because if I had to describe Death Stranding as an experience to someone, I would say it's a very meditative game. This is a game, this is, oh, Death Stranding, great podcast game. Such a good podcast game. One of the best podcast games. It's probably like Euro Truck Simulator and then Death Stranding. And this is one of the things that I... I completely agree with you, but I'm also baffled for a couple of reasons at Kojima with this. Um, there's no MP3 player in the game. There's no iPhone that you can 
Listen. There's so much music. Why can't I replay some of it? Why can't you listen to the music while you're delivering things whenever you want? Why is that not a thing? That is a thing that he did in Metal Gear Solid 4 where he actually gives Solid Snake an iPod, not only with the game's music, but other games' music, also podcasts about how the game was made. Like, you can listen to a podcast on Metal Gear Solid 4 while you are playing Metal Gear Solid 4. Why is there nothing equivalent to that because god knows he borrowed plenty of other elements of metal gear solid 4 for this game why didn't he do that one that's one of the most baffling des design decisions ever <laughs> is one of the things that you're talking about that he borrowed the fact that there are uh like i don't know 90 minute cutscenes uh 90 minute cutscenes uh final boss encounter um still stealth in the vein of metal gear solid 5 the phantom pain and uh, just a lot of callbacks and allusions the way he's known to do. Do you want to talk about some of these long cutscenes and the characters and the world and other stuff? Yeah, let's start. You actually mentioned something much earlier in the, the podcast where you talked about how the game has a lot of terminology that it almost feels like you need a glossary. And one of the things that I appreciate about this game is that it kind of thrusts you directly like you know into the state of the world it is as they say in medias res you are walking into this world mid-action sam is in the middle of a delivery when his bike breaks down after narrowly avoiding a full-on head first collision with fragile played by leah sadu mm, great jacket Oh, Leah Sadu's jacket? Incredible. Her mm. her whole outfit. That's one thing I really appreciate about this game. The style, high fashion. The style. Well, it's a it's a combination of high fashion and tech wear and hiking gear. Like real world tech wear and hiking gear. Like I'm gonna I'm not going to be surprised when the sale for the sales for tech gear or tech wear and uh hiking gear just go through the roof. Cause I, I feel like it's like, oh, this is cool. Like Kojima's vision. I think above all is so strong in his like aesthetic, his look and his like mise-en-scene. He, he really nails all of those things. And also I realize how much I love black and gold together. Mm, no, <laughs> it looks so good. No, no, no. Higgs looks great. Nope. <laughs> I mean, yes, but no, I'm more into the, uh, the edgy, my chemical romance, black tears. Everyone cries. Yeah. Well, everyone cries in this game because when they're within proximity of the chiral network, the being close to Wi-Fi makes people cry, essentially, which is very cute. But back to where we, back to the encounter with Fragile. We learn in this encounter with Fragile that Sam is a very special kind of porter. Uh, one, he has Dooms, which is a almost uh, – it's kind of like how little kids are sensitive to supernatural entities in that like – dogs little kids and things they can sense things that might not be there or might be obvious for adults so he's actually sensitive to these creatures called bts or beached things and as a result that's a pretty invaluable tool as a delivery man when you have to navigate an environment infested with these entities and we also learn he has a condition that uh he is afraid of physical contact it is a very on-the-nose metaphor for the overall theme of this game of isolation that America as a whole, we as a society, have broken apart and are isolated from one another despite being 
more connected than we ever have been. And that, that, that really is like hit over the head with, which I appreciate for this specific instance. I think that is a good way to set the tone for what to expect from the game moving forward. Things that you need to be on the lookout for. Motifs, you got to recognize the pattern. But boy, do I know how you feel about people being spoon-fed themes. No, that I think it's okay. Like, there, it's it's pick and choose. Like, it really is hard to say, this is okay to be heavy-handed with, this is not okay. That is going to be completely... Uh, subjective for me I think it's okay to open a story with something like that especially with our main character if you personify the theme of the of a thing through the lens at which we are going to experience the thing I think that's pretty okay I think that's fine um, but regardless Sam does not like physical contact and he's just trying to you know he's trying to make ends meet he's trying to just get his and kind of mind his own business but then we learn some pretty interesting information about Sam <laughs> Which is where it just starts to get like <laughs> it get, the game gets to be a lot really quickly. It's a Kojima game. It's, and, it's Metal Gear esque. There's a lot of there's a lot of people and characters with names that are silly. And this is when the game gets over heavy handed. Is when you go to the remnants of the White House, and you learn that not only is Sam one of the best delivery men because he's one of the only delivery men left. He's also the son of the president of the United States. And he's grumpy about it. And he's not happy, but he meets his mom, the president of the United States, and her name is uh, Bridget Strand. <laughs> Bridget Strand Bridges, and she is on her deathbed. She is dying of cancer? Yeah. She's dying of cancer, and she dies in their opening count. They're like, and then you learn that the entirety of the American government is kind of being puppeteered by this small private corporation known as Bridges, which Sam is a delivery man for. And it's all overseen and orchestrated by a man, a, 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 a black man in a mask. And I think it's important that we that that diehard man is black because he is the only person of color in this game. I don't want to sell that point anymore, but wait a second. You're telling me that Sam <laughs> – sorry. Sam is a porter for Bridges? Yeah, and it's the job of Bridges to bring America together through these Bridges. He is a, a physical and metaphorical – Sam Porter Bridges. Bridge for uniting America. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Die Hardman. Um. Only person of color in the game, which is very interesting. There is an Asian woman you rescue later on in the game, but that's like a very small thing that kind of gets brushed aside pretty quickly. Oh, well, that's not true. Guillermo del Toro's in this game. That's what I was going to say. We have a Dead Man, which is the first of our celebrity encounters. So there's Die Hardman and Dead Man? Yeah. And you might think, well, what does that mean? Why do they call him Dead Man? Well, maybe. It's because he's dead and he's a man because he quite literally is a dead person who's been kind of stitched together a la Frankenstein monster. <laughs> okay, this is, this is okay. This is a lot. Keep going. But th see, the celebrity thing is a super interesting note because this is the first time Kojima has had almost unrestricted access to celebrities. And I think it's his greatest downfall. I think I think we saw. Oh, calm down. <laughs> I, well, it's part of his greatest downfall because we saw a trace of this in Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. 
he made a lot of people upset when he replaced the voice of a uh, of a uh, snake with uh, Kiefer Sutherland just because he finally got his hands on a triple A celebrity that he can throw in his game. How dare you? That wasn't Snake. And you are correct in saying that, but if that was the case, then he should have had David Hater voice actual Big Boss while having Kiefer Sutherland voice the Venom Snake. Yeah, but I mean, at that point, it's just like a pain in the ass to be like, hey, can you come do like two lines? <laughs> See, so it's like one of those things where it's almost, it's inconveniently inconsistent. It's like, come on, dude. Like, we know you wanted to do it just because you got a celebrity, which is fine. But it's so strange because he has the likeness of Guillermo del Toro, but you have someone doing Guillermo del Toro's voice that is not del Toro, which I understand because celebrities are busy, but also just it's Could you imagine Guillermo del Toro doing that much VO as like a not trained voice actor? Holy shit. That you're asking a lot from someone who doesn't do that craft. I wasn't a big fan of del Toro's voice. In this game. I think you're being nitpicky because you were so excited to see Del Toro there and to see like Hispanic representation. You're like, that's not him. I'm I don't love it. But yeah. It was it's it's totally fine. It's fine. It's fine. But it's almost distracting though. I do think that the celebrity encounters almost overshadow the I guess flatness of a lot of these characters. Like, sure, Del Toro's character or Dead Man does have an arc. But it never really feels like – it feels very arbitrary how he gets from point A to Z, which, you know, he doesn't like the BBs because he's used to seeing these – Dead Man oversees the, the creation and the distribution of BBs, these entities that BBs, are – babies. BBs, which are babies, which are even more sensitive to the BTs than Sam is because, like I said – because they're attached to a still mother, so they like live in the world between the, the living and the dead, and then they don't really have a beach, and a beach is like the place that you go to when you're transitioning. So, oh my god, I'm so sorry. They're, they're, they're basically stillborn children who are still alive to some extent. Which does the mother is dead, but attached to the stillborn baby via they're basically via the chiral network. They're trapped in the dead zone. The mother is, but they still are able to sustain their child. Through the Death Stranding. It's very strange. It's very strange. And really, really, at the end of the day, as someone who loves story, not that important. Which is a shame to say. Because I know there's a giant reveal about BBs at the end of the game. But it all just feels so meh. But I am getting ahead of myself a little bit. Sam gets allocated his own BB, BB-28, who is, by all accounts and purposes, malfunctioning. This is a strange BB. It is unlike any other BB out there, but regardless, Sam seems kind of drawn to it, so good on him. He's going to take it under his wing and use it and go about his business. And then we have our first, I, I think, dramatic story beat before we're completely cut off from any more storytelling for probably a solid 12 to 15 hours <laughs> in that we have we see what happens in this world of death stranding when a bt gets their hands on someone and someone dies um, sam is doing a delivery where he has to escort a corpse to the incinerator Oh, wait, am I get no, no no yeah it is a it is a corpse to incinerator you take bridger to the incinerator no that's before though because we have to – I got a little ahead of myself. He goes into like a survey truck to deliver a body to – or is that the same body? Is that Bridget as well? No, that's a different body. Got it. 
So we are in this like delivery truck with other delivery men, and we see what happens when a an unattended body uh, is remains unattended for too long. It develops necrosis, and necrosis is this this status in the world of death stranding where all dead beings get inhabited by uh, the the oil, the the BTS kind of take hold of them, and it's very alien chest burster in that something bad happens whenever they get consumed by the necrosis. So the goal is to try to incinerate the body to release the chiral buildup before a void out happens. Joey, what is a void out? It's like a nuke when the body dies and isn't burnt. Yeah. It's a giant ass nuke that leaves a giant ass persistent crater that will stay there for a good chunk of the game, which is cool. You know, there's consequences to killing people, which I appreciate. The, the game is very much, like Kojima said, it is not an action game. It is a game about being nice to people. So how appropriate is it that being mean to people in killing them it kind of is quite the damper on your ability to play the game, especially if you have to deliver a package from point A to B and then necrosis happens and you get a void out in the middle of A and B and suddenly you have to go A, C, then back to B because there's a giant crater in the middle of your path. Like, that's pretty cool. I really, really like that aspect of the game. But that said, I never killed anyone in the game. Like, I was like, oh, I don't want this to happen to me. I'm just going to use non-lethal rounds the entire game. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I, I actually, I, I accidentally killed some people. How did you accidentally kill people? Uh, my gun was on the wrong setting. I was <laughs> tired. I was just like, oh, fuck. And then I had to go to the incinerator. And I'm like, that's annoying. Dude, just dump them in the river. And wherever they end up, that's where the void Boom. happens. <laughs> yeah, that feels uh, bad for the ecosystem, I guess. <laughs> I'm rebuilding America, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and really, like, peep, in, in this cutscene we see before someone gets, like, consumed and taken by necrosis, one of the delivery men gets attacked by the BTs and gets kind of dragged away towards a giant, what we later learn is an extinction entity. And people in this world would rather kill themselves than be captured by the BT. Because I think that's one of the most horrifying moments of the game where you have the delivery man who's hanging upside down. He pulls out his knife and he starts stabbing himself in the heart, trying to kill himself before the BT takes him away. Like, what a what a way to open the game with such like a, a giant moment and then it just falls off the face of the earth and that nothing quite like that happens for probably a solid 10 hours. I mean, that's also your mileage may vary on how much time it takes you to get to story beats because you can play this game without doing any of the optional stuff and still play the game. But I think the game assumes that you're going to go off the beaten path and do your own deliveries and explore the world and do what you want to do if that's your thing. So, like, um, it's interesting. The game's set up in, like, 15 chapters, but uh, two-thirds of the story missions happen within the first four, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, And then the last third happens... Split out. I I would say it's mostly just that last chunk of game. Where like those from chapter nine to fifteen, that's all basically story. Like there's like there's gameplay, sure, but I feel like it's all just like oh, this is where all the this is the story dump right here. Ah, uh, let's go hang out with Higgs, or ah, uh, let's go see what's going on with Amelie and her beach, or yeah, all that stuff. And uh, once Sam is tasked with delivering his dead mother's body to the corpse, we learn that his goal is to unite America via this very manifest destiny style, traversing across America to connect these pockets of civilization to the chiral network so that they could 3D print supplies and stuff. That's basically 
the goal. That is what Sam thinks is the goal of Death yeah. Stranding. But, Connect America. But we as players are immediately distrustful of plan of Sam's overall plan. One, because Kojima, and we just immediately assume there's more to the story. That's you can't assume that everyone that's playing this game is like a cook, some kind of a Kojima scholar. No, that's true. But for us specifically, we, we could definitely tell there was something up. And also, when you have a man named Die Hard Man who is hiding behind a mask, it's kind of hard to trust him completely. No faith, man. <laughs> he was your mother's most trusted number two, and you're like, I don't trust him. Psh, bad son. <laughs> but you mentioned a name, Higgs. Higgs is a, he is a, the leader of a terrorist organization. Do they have a name? I for, They do have a name. I just don't remember it. Unbridges? But their goal is to bring about the extinction of humanity. They don't care about anything that's going on. They're just like, nah, man, fuck it. We're just trying to bring about the end of the world as quickly as possible. So we're trying to cause void outs. We're, we're bringing nukes into cities. And you learn through a pretty, pretty interesting story development that Fragile and Higgs were actually partners before. And you learn that the reason why Fragile's covered up so much is that she is hiding a very decrepit old body because Higgs forced her to endure the uh, the wrath of Timefall. Because we haven't even talked about the fact that it rains in the game and the rain isn't called rain, it's called Timefall. And when something touches Timefall, it ages rapidly and then snow is like super Timefall. So that's another thing. Just throw it on the pile. But it only ages things quickly while it's before it hits the floor. That is a thing that I was like, well, why is she able to step in it? What's going on here? It's only the time effects only are effective when time falls in the air before it hits the floor, which I thought is a very interesting thing. And also, I did not know that you could convert time fall rainwater into monster energy. <laughs> one of the uh, reoccurring items that you see in the game, your canteen filters water and transforms it into monster energy drink. I would have been excited to uh, know that if I could have ever read any of the text <laughs> that was on the screen ever. Because if this game is a lot of things, one of the things that it isn't is great accessibility-wise. Holy shit, who thought that font size was a good idea? Yeah, it's pretty rough. They are increasing the size in a December update that's coming. Like, Wow, what a fun thing that to announce you're patching. Hey, everybody, glad you like our game. I'm excited that you'll be able to read it now. This is definitely my reading into it too much because I know it's not really the case. But I kind of like that the text and the, the UI is kind of unfriendly. Because it really just highlights no. it really highlights how mundane all of games the games that need to be accessible no, for I people agree. with disabilities. I it agree. shouldn't never be a world building thing. I completely agree, but I also was like, yeah, it's not it's hard for it's it's hard to read, but for me personally, like it was like whatever. I feel like it contributes to the overall what you're going for here. I don't that's some weird masochist shit. No, I mean I don't it's fine that it, they're fixing it. I'm not upset about that. I just thought it was, you know, of the thing that, oh, I had this thought. This is interesting. But regardless, we learn Fragile was kind of duped into working with Higgs because Fragile runs her own delivery, her private delivery organization called Fragile Express. And uh, Higgs gave her a package that she thought were supplies, but they turned out to be a nuke that went off in one of the main cities. And so Fragile is labeled a terrorist, as is Higgs and Fragile Express. And they're kind of 
almost shunned from society as like this like extremist group. They're like, eh, we'd rather not deal with you. And so uh, because Fragile wants out, Higgs gives her an ultimatum. Do you deliver this next nuke for me and be fine? Or do you risk ruining your lovely body because you are a woman in a Kojima game and that's really the only value you bring to the table? and endure the the wrath of timefall and throw this nuke into a tar pit and save the society but also ruin your perfect body <laughs> and so she chooses the latter and she is almost a martyr but she survives the timefall everything but her face was aged because that is a thing that according to higgs she cares about the most also higgs played by troy baker very over the top very silly and campy, but I kind of loved how like he ate up the scenery. Like I, I was like, "Oh, you chew up that scenery, Troy Baker. You are having so much fun." And I think that he plays the psychomantis role. If we're tying this to Metal Gear Solid, he is very aware of the fact that you are playing a video game and comments on that throughout. No shit, he just breaks the fourth wall a bunch. It's yeah. not light. It, like- it's it's very obvious, like psychomantis. Like, he literally says, this is game over. This is a boss fight. <laughs> like, he straight up says, I'm a boss fight. <laughs> like, okay, dude. Great. I love Higgs, the character. The only character I liked more than Higgs was Hartman. Oh, Hartman's great. Why is Hartman so great, Joey? <laughs> he, he, he's a man we meet in the last probably, like, 15 hours of the game. Yeah, Hartman is someone who's helping you on this journey. But when you finally meet him, when you go to his uh, world, his his house... Uh, it's nestled up in the snow by a lake that's shaped like a heart. His name is Hartman, mind you. And he does have the Hartman and he has, has a, a heart shaped heart. And he, Hartman has a heart shaped heart, lives by a heart. And Hartman's whole uh, thing is that he keeps on going in and out between the world of the living and the world by, and the dead by choosing to go into like a like a cardiac arrest because everything is heart based with Hartman. So he goes, uh, you know, fifteen minutes awake, fifteen minutes. Uh, twenty one minutes. Every twenty one minutes, he dies. And then for, what is it, two minutes? I think it's a little bit longer than that, but yeah. It's like two to three minutes, and he's able to explore the beaches of other people. And the beaches, again, is this bridge between our world and the afterlife. So Hartman, uh, just like such a fun written character, which is an interesting conceit of someone who is constantly living and dying. And Sam just doesn't ignore that. Sam's like... How do you do that as a human? Which is fun. He lives in this place that has completely like padded floors and everything is super padded. So that, like if he accidentally dies and he doesn't mean to, he'll be able to land softly. Um, and when you're talking to him, you like he's in real time having to die. So you're like, he's like, hey, chill out for a couple minutes in my room. I'll be back. And you, you know, it, it, this long drawn out cutscene's happening in time with his life cycle, which is really cool. Is it actually 21 minutes, that cutscene? I don't know. I didn't actually time it. It feels like it could be, though, so it yeah. doesn't really uh, that- ruin that illusion. Because you talked to him for a while, he dies, and you talk to him a while again, he comes back away, and then he dies again before you leave. He dies twice, doesn't he? Yeah, he dies before you leave. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, he, he's an interesting character. I think... I actually think he's more interesting than Sam. Oh, he's the most interesting character. Sam is... Hey, everybody. My name's Sam, and I want to reconnect America, and I don't know what I'm doing. This game definitely gave me more of an affinity for Norman Reedus, maybe because I was forced to play as him for 30 hours. But, like, there is something heraldic about Sam's isolation. But the thing that I really like about Hartman is that he really feels like a character straight out of a Greek tragedy. You know, he, he 
the reason why he chooses to live this life that he lives of 21 minutes at a time and three minutes of death is that he is searching for his dead wife and child because they died during a void out. And in that void out, he was in the hospital on life support. And that void out caused him to forever be trapped in the cycle of living 21 minutes at a time. And so unlike other people in the world of death stranding when he dies he doesn't only he he doesn't go to his own beach he has the ability to traverse the beaches of others which as we learn throughout the game everyone has their own beach that is theirs and theirs only but he can navigate any beach it's just kind of random so he's looking for his wife and kid wherever they might be so he kind of has a tally at one point where he goes oh i've been resurrected you know i've died 469,000 blah, blah, blah times. And it's just like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I feel a sadness for you, but you're not a sad character. You're just kind of chipper about it, which I appreciate. Like, he is a character I would want to see a movie about. He's a character I want to read a book about. It seems something like a character out of a Kurt Vonnegut book. Like, he is interesting through and through. And he's also played by another real-world celebrity, Nicholas Winding Refn who people might know as the director of Drive, Only God Forgives, Neon Demon. And he, he recently put out an Amazon Prime series. It's like eight episodes long. I forget the name of it. Um, it's like too young, too old to die young or something like that, or too young to die old. But it, that miniseries also features Hideo Kojima as a recurring character. So it's a very, like, they have a good relationship. And you could tell Kojima kind of worships the ground he walks on. And vice versa. Also, I might like that character because I think I can pull off that cosplay. Oh, I was looking at his hair. I was like, oh, yeah, Joey could pull off that. That's, I mean, <laughs> he's also white and probably close enough to my build. Yeah, no, yeah, you could definitely pull off that 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 uh, look. Um, but, like, I, I, we're skipping over, I think, one of the more... What are we skipping over? Because I'm interested in how many story beats you want to go through. Because if so, I'll just like I can go back. I can come back in 20 minutes if you want to. Really? Okay. So we don't. You don't actually care about the story. I know. I mean, I'm I'm interested in what you're interested uh, in. But at the same time, I don't know if you want to do a three hour podcast. People are going to be like, Nick, what the fuck are you? Why are you just explaining enough. the game to me? Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, maybe just a couple of like big gameplay moments because I I think one that you one of the first like moments where the game zags is where you're forced to deliver something that's not a part of the delivery system earlier i talked about how higgs tricked fragile into delivering a nuke to a populated city something similar almost happens to sam in that you go to take your order from a terminal at a nearby facility and as you're leaving you get stopped by one of the only npcs you see in the game like like at that point in the game, especially, one of the only physical bodies you see inhabit... Yeah, the people you're interacting with are holograms, by and large, because they're, like, in their bunkers, and they're not meeting people. And it, it's really jarring, because it's like, whoa, you're just invading my space. What are you doing here? Get out of here. This is my place. And so you're immediately intrigued, because this is the first human interaction Sam's had in a while, and this man, kind of nervous, tech type of dude, is like, hey, there's a malfunction in our system. Uh, you're supposed to deliver this package. Can you do it for me? And it's like, yeah, sure, dude. And immediately, just because I've played a lot of games that Troy Baker has been in, and I know Kojima likes to model his in-game characters off the real one, I was like, that's Troy Baker. Like, that's Troy Baker pretending to not sound like Troy Baker. 
And I was like, okay, I'm into it. Again, that's him chewing up the scenery and hamming it up, but I love it. But you unknowingly get handed a nuke, and you get told to deliver it to, what is it, Mountain Knot City or something? Yeah. Uh, And so you just go to do it, and did you actually deliver it to No. (laughs) Well, I, I didn't really, like, I was like, clearly I'm not supposed to deliver it to the city, but also my objective is telling me to deliver it to the city, so. Fool. So I just walked in, and then the nuke actually goes off. Yeah, it says as much in the item description. It yeah. says a nuke that will go off when yeah. you go to the city. So well, of course you don't go to the city. Yeah, but I also kind of wanted to see what happened, too, and yeah, it's just like, yeah, game over. You gotta do that over again, dude. So you have to take it to Fragile, who basically is like, oh my god, he's trying to do it again. Oops. And then you get told to throw the suitcase into a nearby tar lake because that apparently is a safe place to dispose of a nuke. Probably one of the better ones, I guess. <laughs> but that, that actually introduces a mechanic that a lot of people might not be familiar with at that point is throwing packages. They're fun to hit people with. There is few things as satisfying as hitting a mule straight in the face with a suitcase. <laughs> I mean, mules are... You just, you know, you, you knock a mule out with your fist, you grab their package, you use their package to kill the next mule, and then just, just, just daisy chain them together. Just throwing it, that impact, like that slow-mo impact is so satisfying. But I, I do like the way it introduces that mechanic. I like the way that um, the game introduces zip lines to you, and then you realize, this seems broken. Is it broken, or... A smart way of getting you to navigate tall mountains that you otherwise would normally try to avoid. It's. I think it's. A, I think <laughs> it's. I think it's a necessary thing. I think if the game didn't have zip lines in it, uh, which is a structure that you can build, uh, and you know, share with other people in the world, that uh, people might get too frustrated in the last part of the game. But it takes a situation where you could be the hardest part of the game becomes the easiest part of the game very quickly. Yeah, and you can you can daisy chain them. And just basically never just touch the floor. Fly around the map. It's great. You, it's so empowering. It's, it's empowering the way I, I think a good game grants that player power fantasy. But this power fantasy is just being able to move fast, which is kind of nice. It, it's not, you know, drop a nuke on the enemy team. It's fly around so you can deliver packages more effectively. There's other things that I wish I can do fast in this game. Mostly anything that has to do with the menu. Oh man, that menu system. Can I <clears throat> sorry. Can I explain to you the process of just off the top of my head of what it takes to deliver a package? Lay it on me. You go to the terminal, you hold the X button, the menu comes up. You choose to deliver the package. You press X. Then you press X again to tell them that you were sure that you actually want to deliver the package. And then after you press X twice, you have to hold X to confirm all the items you have to deliver for the deliveries that you're going to deliver. Uh-huh. And then after that happens, um, the, the, the dumb waiter elevator thing comes up. There's an animation that if you don't skip, you watch, I don't know, 7,000 times in the game where Sam puts things into them. It goes down. The hologram makes a comment about the status of the package. And then a menu comes up, which there's an auto-skip button for, so you can choose to auto-skip the menu. But if you do that, it'll immediately turn itself off in about two seconds, where then you have to hit the (laughs) auto-skip button again. And then after that, it'll take you to a stats screen where you have to mash X through a bunch of different times. And then after that, you'll come back 
back up with the hologram who will say thank you a second time. And then maybe if it's a, a story mission, a different hologram will come up. And then... Um, Sometimes you get items from that. Oh, maybe you'll get an item too. And then you have to uh, go back to the menu to see what you're doing. Every time you deliver a package, that's roughly the process. It is insufferable. Or if you want to take on a delivery, you open up the terminal, you accept the mission. Again, you press X and hold X a bunch of times to confirm that you do indeed want to do a delivery as a delivery man. And then you get deposited into a menu where you choose if you want to fabricate any new equipment. Once Which oftentimes I don't. Yeah. Almost never. Yeah, almost never. There's a whole menu function for fabricating items, so I feel like they should have just. And then if you press the wrong button, you go back because <laughs> you don't actually want to press circle to get out of something. You want to hold X. Yeah. And so then you get the ability to reallocate the equipment. And actually, this is a part of the game that I do enjoy. I like putting the equipment on Sam. Triangle, auto equip, and sort. Done. No, but I like the way it looks. It feels like I'm looking at an action figure and me as a child and making my action figure be efficient but also look cool. So it's like, oh, I want to I wanna throw a ladder on his tool rack because it looks cool. I want to throw maybe like uh, you know, a PCC so I can build structures on my hip, maybe a grappling hook on my shoulder, maybe not this shoulder or this shoulder. Yeah, that looks cool. I, I like- We're very different people, I, Nick. I like the way that, that interface works. It is clunky, but I do like putting items on Sam. The whole interface is clunky. Everything you have to very do clunky. requires too many button prompts. And this game is a game that in a past life really should have been just designed for PCs because it needs more buttons that you can press. <laughs> that it needs some kind X. of interaction with a mouse. It's uh, not... It, they're really trying to do a lot with a controller. Like, if you want to soothe the baby, you have to, like, press R1 and then left and then down and then and then X and then shake the controller and then, and then do that in the reverse order to put the baby back on you. It's... Man, they made an effort, and I'm sure it's close to as good as it could have been, but it's just a lot of stuff. It, it is a lot of stuff, um, but I do think they did a good job of doing what they could with the tools they had available. For I never them. shaked the baby because I didn't want to press the buttons. I just let it cry. Oh, I shook the baby every time it cried. Oh, yeah. Very different people. Well, it was. Uh, I was actually playing this with my girlfriend. She was watching, and I was just like, is this boring for you? She goes, no, I'm actually kind of into it. Like, I think it's kind of exciting seeing him deliver packages and also, like, almost falling off a cliff and losing packages. Yeah, you really should keep her close. She was very invested in, like, the, oh, you're about to fall off the cliff. No, 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 no. And, and then, like, one thing, it was interesting seeing the things that she noticed that the game did in that... When BB starts crying, the cries come from the controller. And she was like, what? Why are the cry? There's a speaker on the controller? I was like, yeah. She goes, that's so cool. And she goes, how do you stop it from crying? And I was like, here, do this. So I put it in like the hold mode and I'm like, rock the baby. And she was like, this is so cool. And so it was interesting seeing those those things like be exciting for her other in a person who doesn't normally play a lot of games, which was cool. Yeah, there, there is things that are great for the hardcore, great for the casual. I think this game really does do a lot of... Uh, it does so many things right, which is why it's hard to complain about like the weird things that it does or doesn't do. Or like, uh, I, I almost didn't want to like Death Stranding because I didn't want to put all the time into it that I knew it was going to require. And I knew that it was like a little bit weird and different. But when I started playing it, I fell in love with it. But at the same time that I was falling in love with it, I realized that this is 
not a game for everyone. I think a game like, I don't know, Mario Odyssey, game for everyone. Mm. I can give that game to almost anybody and be like, this is a prime example of a AAA, A-plus video game. Play this. Death Stranding, uh, or like... Breath of the Wild. If I know anyone is a serious gamer who loves video games, I'd be like, wow, you haven't played Breath of the Wild? That's 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 silly. You should play that game. But if I know someone who is a big gamer and they haven't played Death Stranding, I'd be like, you don't have to. Yeah, It's not a must-play thing. It's something polarizing, which... I don't know. Like in theory, it should be a good thing for it because people are going to love it and hate it. And you saw that in the reviews. You see that in the comments. It's a game that it, it, it's polarizing. It's a very polarizing game, and uh, I liked it. But I'm never going to argue with someone who doesn't like it. If someone tells me that um, I don't know, Hollow Knight is a bad game or a game that they don't like, I'd be like, well, you're dumb. Yeah, you're wrong. You're wrong and you're <laughs> dumb. That is a masterpiece of the medium. If someone tells me that they don't like Death Stranding, I'd be like, that's a fair assessment and opinion. I respect it. Um, good day. Yeah. I, as someone who wanted to like the game very much going in, I found myself in a like almost a bad relationship with it, <laughs> where there were some where the highs were high, but the lows that felt so dull, so low and dull. And there were moments where, you know, I fall off the face of a cliff and all my, all my items fall into the river and get swept away. And I'm just thinking, man, fuck this game. I'm so done with this. And then I make Sam sit down. I put my PlayStation 4 in rest mode. I'm like, I'm not going to play this anymore. I respect my time far too much. And then I'm just like, I need to just relax a little bit. Mm. And so I'll, I'll turn it on before bed and play for like an hour and just like, okay, I like it again. This is nice. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I think that I do not like Death Stranding. I like a lot of the things it does, but I think that the things that it does not do well really grind my gears enough that it's just like, you know what? This was a good relationship, but I don't think it's worth it in the long run. I, I value not only my time, but other people's time. Uh, I do understand people who do like the game. I do enjoy the game quite a bit. And I think like Breath of the Wild, a lot of its systems do lend themselves to emergent gameplay. Uh, in that there are moments that are only your story. No one else. It's not something that is a scripted event. There are encounters that come about as a result of things you do as a player and all the systems in place that kind of avalanche into this perfect moment of just like, that was cool. For me, it was being in the middle of Timefall, getting, trying to clear a jump over a chasm with my motorcycle while being chased by mules, not being able to hit that jump, falling into the chasm, motorcycle destroyed, objects everywhere bb's crying the mules are jumping down chasing after me i'm throwing everything back on my back and running out of the chasm trying to figure out how to scale this thing and escaping the safety like that was just a thing that because of my action i wound up with a very memorable moment because of all the systems in place that kind of yes ended my action and that is pretty damn cool 
Like that's a thing that Metal Gear Solid Phantom Pain does. That is a thing that Breath of the Wild does. And I think that's a thing that Hitman does and also Death Stranding. I think there are a lot of good ideas in this game, but I feel like everything surrounding the game is almost detracting from it. I think Death Stranding is a game with Kojima's filmic sensibilities being at odds with his game designer sensibilities. It is a game that is at war with itself in deciding, am I a movie or am I a game? And I think it's more of a movie. And I don't know that Kojima has the storytelling chops to execute that alone. I think Kojima would benefit greatly from having an editor um, to kind of rein him in and also just tell him how people speak. Um, that is something that is notoriously been an arduous thing for Kojima. Once Metal Gear Solid, the original game, launched on PlayStation 1, that was the only game that had a localization editor. Um, it's easily one of the greatest localizations ever done for a Japanese game, all done by a man named uh, Jeremy Blaustein. And he really sold the, you know, spy thriller, science-y, like everything sounded good. The science was sound. The words all made sense coming out of humans. Everything was characterized well. Jeremy Blaustein excelled at bringing the Japanese text and adapting it for American audiences. For whatever reason, Kojima blew up and he just thought, I don't need anyone to tell me how to do this anymore. And so as a result that editor, that localization expert, a la Jeremy uh, Blaustein, was kind of thrust by the wayside, and he kind of did his own thing. Because Kojima does speak good English, and he knows how to tell a story. Like, he can tell a story. But it's just not quite where he needs to be in order to reach the high point that he wants to be. And I think that it is important as a storyteller that you realize... Maybe you're not the hottest shit you think you are, and you really should surround yourself with people who will help you succeed. I would um, just very casually say game of the year, but I uh, I don't know if I mean that. Uh, I'd probably have to do some soul searching. Not uh, in my top five, maybe my top ten. Oof, 100% in my top five. Probably 100% of my top three. Um, probably in my top two with Sekiro. Mm. And I'd be hard-pressed to think of other tiles. I know that you really like Control. You really like the Resident Evil remake. Um, I might really like Outer Worlds. Um, I'm sure there's like a, like a handful of smaller indie games I played this year that I'm not thinking of. Um, but like... I really, in I, I feel like I have to take an account for a game drawing me in and like almost forcing me to play it. And it's been a while since I've played a single player game that that I like. I feel like I've been brought back to and like at the mercy of for such a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because sometimes I'll be like, man, I got to play like a Slay the Spire run and that, that game will like draw me in or, oh man, I got to play Dota and that game will draw me in. But just, just for like a single player experience, it's been a while since I've been like, no, I'm not going to do anything today because I'm just going to play this game all day. I'm, I'm going to forego my other human responsibilities, which I really shouldn't be doing because <laughs> I'm very busy uh, just to play this game. And I did that with Death Stranding 
which makes me realize, you know, the the, the, the the primordial joy that I was getting out of it. And maybe it has a lot of other things to do with the other facets of my life, that it was like escapism and it came at the right time or what have you. But I just wanted to keep playing this game. That's why I built every road. That's why every, uh, every uh, prepper became part of the UCA, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you would you say you hundred percented it or as close to? Uh, no. If I got every prepper to five stars, I would probably be more willing to say that I close to hundred percented it. I'd probably say that I got like a, if I like an eighty percent of it. It's definitely I didn't do eighty percent of the game, but I probably feel like I did eighty percent of the game. Okay. Um. So you know, it's not even the game that I've played the most completion this year, but it 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 feels game of the year-esque to me. And I think there's a reason why it might win a lot of those awards. I think there's a reason why it's going to be nominated for everyone's game of the year, if nothing else, because it's like the biggest AAA game that came out this year, and that always just gets nominations regardless. So. Yeah, it, it very much feels like an Oscar bait type thing, where it's just like, oh, this is just going to be in the conversation because of the caliber behind it. Uh-huh. Um, and I, it might be the best game of the year for me, but Sekiro's really good. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's probably going to be Sekiro. Um, I think that while Death Stranding might not be my favorite or anywhere near my favorite game this year, I think that it delivered one of the greatest moments that I will probably remember as like just this fantastic set piece. Like one of the most memorable moments of all video games ever for me is the, the end of Act 2, beginning of Higgs Chapter where you finally cross to the other side of America and you need to cross the tar pit and you get presented with the, the, the conundrum of how do you cross a giant ass piece of tar when there are no structures, you're not able to fabricate anything and the game just kind of lets you try and figure it out. It doesn't, at least I don't think it held my hand because I was able to figure it out relatively quickly and from what I heard from my coworker, who played through the game before it reached the public, he said a lot of people had zero idea of how to do that part. But there's something so brilliant about Kojima just saying, hey, you know the thing you've been trying to avoid the entire time? This time, you need to face it head on. I loved the moment where you have to willingly walk into a, a BT territory get dragged and then basically almost sacrifice you get pulled out into this tar ocean and then as you stand and rise to your feet skyscrapers emerge from the tar and a giant whale soars through the sky and lands splashing everywhere and the game it just says run (laughs) and that moment was so fun so exciting and just really was like okay kojima you are still in there somewhere and I think, uh, just to round it out, tying this back to Kojima's previous work of, I think, his greatest game, Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Snake Eater is so good because it is... All of its boss encounters... Have, boss encounters have been a thing that Kojima's always been good at, and Snake Eater really amplifies that thing that he does so well. And the last boss in the game truly asks that you understand every element and mechanic of the game in order to succeed. 
and I don't think Death Death Stranding does that. A lot of people say, well, the last boss is actually where you have to hug your mom. You know, you shoot her. Are you going to shoot her or are you going to hug her? That's not what the game's saying. The game wants me to think that it's about forming friendships and forming bonds. But I never felt that with any delivery. Anytime I brought someone into the UCA, I never felt like I was going back to that theme of bringing America together. I was bringing them together physically, but not in a way that feels meaningful. I felt like the America that I united at the end of the game was the America we're still living in, in that we are living in our pockets of civilization connected, uh, connected only by information and the internet. And I never really was sold that that theme of, well done, Sam. Everyone's better. as a, Humanity is good now because of what you did. But there was the Oval Office thing. Everyone's clapping. It, it just it never felt like that, that ending was a story ending, which is fine. But I don't think you earned that ending. I don't think it was earned. I don't want to nag you. No, it's okay. <laughs> but I think that does it for Death Stranding. I think so. There's, there's, there's so much. I'm gonna walk away from this and be like, there's 30 other funny things that I that I there's thought so about many and funny didn't. Easter eggs, like if you look at Sam's feet in the safe room, Kojima will pop up as a BT and then drag Sam down into the mud, and then Sam wakes up. It's so good. Did you see the one where B a BB smashes through the glass? No, I didn't see that one. You can get drunk and then, like, talk to BB and then, like, you, like, are mean to BB and BB gets mean back. Like, it's very interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of... There's, there's a lot of fun things. There's a lot of work and time and love, and I would love to see the inside of Kojima's brain or studio because there's just a lot of... There's a lot of artistry here. And That's also Mads Mikkelsen's wife's name is Lisa, and the opening city is also the same model from Silent Hills that the, the, the city that you see at the end of the PT demo and then the ghost in PT was named Lisa and it's also implied that Mads Mikkelsen might have been the abusive husband in this game like ah there's so much just give us PT please Ugh. I don't think it's gonna happen he wants to make a horror game next That's he made a horror game right now <laughs> nah it's a strand game dude <laughs> it's a social strand game. We'll see. I'm. I. I mean, whatever the next game Kojima makes, I'll play it and I'll probably like it. I don't know if I'll like it more than Death Stranding because I really liked Death Stranding, a lot. Metal Gear Solid, or Death Stranding. I mean, I think holistically Metal Gear Solid from like a from like a anthropology standpoint. But I think I had more fun playing Death Stranding. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that does it. This is our longest one yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's We're a lot. A little scattershot, but it's okay. It's a scattershot kind of game. It is, and you can play it all out of order. And uh, next week, next time... It's like every other week. So like next week seems disingenuous. But the next one we're going to record should finally be the Outer Worlds. It yeah. almost certainly has to be. There's like something else we could do that's not the Outer Worlds, but I don't think there's any reason to do that. We'll just do the Outer Worlds because it's time to do that, uh, which will also probably be a game that's a little bit meandery. So fuck. Yeah. I, I feel like there'll be less to talk about, though, compared to Death Stranding. What about those speedruns, though? Hey, there you go. But until next time, thank you guys very much. Consider backing us over on patreon.com slash cybergarbagetv to 
not only get this podcast early. Patreon.com slash cyber garbage. What did I say? Cyber garbage TV. Oh, I'm sorry. Patreon.com slash cyber garbage yeah. to not only get this podcast early, but also get the video form and also get our movie version of this style of podcast called Joey Hates Movies, where Joey, Coral, and I talk about movies. And it's very fun. And you should give us all your money. Thank you very much for joining us. And sorry for listening to all this. That was a lot. Let us know in the comments all the things and smash that like button. Are those jokes overdone now? Yeah. Fuck. Let's make a toast to the town. Waiting for tomorrow.